Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to episode nine of Ordinary. I can't believe we're at episode nine already, and I'm really looking forward to it. Today's guest is Scott, so I hope you'll uh, stick around, listen to what he has to say, and uh, enjoy the episode. And of course, I'm your host, Tim Young. Cool. Okay, so shall we? Are we okay just to, to crack on? Sure thing. Excellent. Well, again, thank you very much, Scott. I really just uh, appreciate you doing this. It's a, a bit of a little pet project of mine just to do this, just to talk to uh, to people. And um, so, yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay, so first question. Uh, they're not necessarily in any particular order, these questions, by the way. So uh, so as, as a child, did you have a, a favourite place? Uh, probably, probably two favorite places. Um, one of them was on my grandfather's boat, the Finisterre. Uh, it was a, it was a motor yacht. So it was, uh, we, we would travel, uh, different places on Lake Ontario and up, uh, what's called the Trent waterway system here. Okay. Visiting small towns and stuff. And the other one would have been my grandparents' farm, which is just, uh, Northeast of Toronto or was. Cool. I oh, was that a work working farm? Was it? Was it what kind of farm? Well, he was a he was a, a thoroughbred horse trainer, and oh, wow. uh, he uh, he had a farm. It was more of a hobby farm than anything. He had some uh, old horses. One of the things that he didn't like seeing is the horses after they had been uh, racing be yeah. uh, sent to the quote glue factory, <laughs> which, yeah. which is the the typical way that the uh, the horses were disposed of at that time. There's a lot more people uh, taking on uh, older racehorses these days. Right. Okay. So that was at the end of the horse's life, then, was it? Um, probably the end of the end of the horse's either racing career or stud life, depending. Wow. And wow. that would have been that's um, that's how uh, my cousin Jeanette and I are related, whom you know. Oh, okay. Excellent. Right. Um, so. What was your most amazing present as a child? Is there any one particular thing that you can remember getting and thinking, oh, wow, you know, this is amazing? Hmm. Uh, let me see here. I think probably if I think, if I look back, it's probably a gold three-speed bike on my 12th birthday. Oh. I, I, re I remember I remember the, the day. I remember it was like... Uh, that you could see dark clouds off on in the distance on one side, the rain kept coming a little bit, but there was this bright sunshine shining through and this bike was uh, in the garage and I was just chomping at the bit to get out on it when the rain passed. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Was it, did you get it? Was it wrapped or was it just, did they say just go into the garage and, and there it is? Yeah, it was, it was, it, there wasn't too much uh, ceremony to it. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it was just there in the garage. Wow. And I uh, presume you had that then for many, many years. Um, yeah, I probably I, I had that probably until I was twenty. It was it was uh, I I had uh, jazzed it up a little bit, put a well banana seat on it if you know what that is, um, and uh, a sissy bar. So it's aging. That's aging me a little bit. <laughs> so was it was it like a, just a standard bike? Was it like a like a chopper or? It was kind. 
yeah, it was kind of like um, it was a chopper without the um, the forks on the front wheel. How's oh, that? Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't like your typical old ten speed with the ram handles on them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like stuff stuff like that that sticks in the mind for for a good many years. I mean, that, I think one of the presents I particularly liked when I got when I, when I was a kid was a was a fishing rod. You know, yeah. spent a happy time sitting by sitting by the bank catching nothing. <laughs> Well, that that's the thing. It can take you back, right? And and like on that day, I remember waiting to ride that bike, sitting there reading a book I had just got about the Bermuda Triangle on the front porch. And it was all like the air was crackly. I remember it so vividly. Yeah. <laughs> now, the, the sharp-eared amongst us listening to this, obviously, they were listening to your accent. So obviously, you, you didn't go up local to where, to where we are here in Nottingham. So tell me about where, where you grew up. I um I grew up in uh, in a suburb of Toronto, and um, now live in um, a further northeast suburb of Toronto, which is uh, Uxbridge. Okay. And uh, the uh, where I grew up, it was it was um, it was quite a, a a change from a very um, singular culture to a very multiculture. Uh, and I grew up in that era of uh, where multiculturalism in this country really come to the forefront. And um, it's really funny because I see how that really influenced me as a person and uh, my friendships and how I deal with other people. It's, it's quite yeah. fascinating if you, if you look at it because I knew what it was before and then I knew what it was after. And then I know what it's been, well, the past couple of years um, all over. <laughs> yeah. So is is sort of living in Canada now better now than, than than when you was a child or I don't know if I would say it's better. I think it's in it's it's improved. Okay. <clears throat> I think it's improved from where it was. Um if you uh if you you know, some things can be very bad and um and, and change for the better. Uh I think uh we were we were doing pretty well uh then but we need we could improve and i think we're we've improved uh, quite a bit yeah and is that sort of a, a political change that that's that's been going on there or is it sort of a general change of the way that things just alter over time well <clears throat> just like most countries uh, you find that um um people hate politicians um but they talk <laughs> yeah. about politics all the time uh, when I when I look at um, if I think about it, it's more of a societal change. It's more of a people yeah. people changing people, as opposed yeah. to any political structure or mandate that's put in place. Yeah. So who needs politicians then? <laughs> well, uh, there's uh, you know what I do have a lot of respect for uh, what they go through. I really oh do. absolutely yeah. Uh, without without. I mean Without them, uh, we would all be, we'd really be wandering around in the dark. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. So, okay, so growing up there in, in, um, in Canada, and uh, so is your career now the same as you wanted when you were younger? Did you have a, a career idea? <laughs> um, when I was younger, I... Um... I wanted to be an actor, director, and screenwriter. 
Oh, wow. And that came out of me uh, working as a, um, I was, a, I was some, somewhat of a child uh, model. So I did some state or some screen work and I did some uh, uh, runway and some print ads and stuff like that. And uh, when I was doing a commercial, I remember specifically, it was the first time that I'd gone away to do this commercial or a commercial. <clears throat> and it was, uh, I think it was, we were on a break and everything was set up in this old farmhouse and the camera was uh, sitting there and it was actually on a dolly. They were doing a dolly shot for this uh, one thing. And uh, the director allowed me to sit in the camera chair. And uh, from that point on, I saw the other side of what production was other than being on camera or being in the, uh, in the public eye. And uh, that sort of intrigued me to, uh, to look at that further. But uh, after studying um, that in college, I uh, changed tact because there weren't any jobs. Right. And um, so I, uh, I spent another 30 years uh, working in a family business and um, now working on um, doing my own business as a consultant and uh, um, stress and trauma uh, consultant. Oh, wow. Okay. So is that sort of like a um, like is that psychology? It is. It is. Um, it's uh, metapsychology and, uh, or applied metapsychology in all uh, intents. Um, it is uh, about 40 years old it's, uh, it's more of a, uh, um, uh, a more immediate therapy or not, I wouldn't say it's not a therapy. It's a more immediate modality or method of, uh, uh, or, um, I guess addressing, uh, yeah. stress, stress and trauma within somebody. Um, it's had a lot of success with post-traumatic stress uh, disorder, uh, and um, dealing with life stresses. Um, okay. yeah, traumatic incident reduction is very uh, in very uh, in depth. and um, but um, life stress reduction is um, more uh, every day. More people will be uh, attuned to that and and looking for that. And right now it's um, something that is unfortunately or fortunately, depending on which side of the fence you're on, uh, quite uh, busy. So how, how do you get your clients? Are they referred to you by sort of healthcare professionals or? No, um, I would uh, basically advertise uh, through social media and uh, LinkedIn and um, uh, local print ads and uh, word of mouth. All right. Okay, cool. Yeah. So very, very different from, from the idea that you, you wanted to pursue. Yeah, the um, I still get I still have the creative. Um, there's still a lot of creativity involved in it, but um, uh, and, and I still uh, I still write as part of my um, I guess my vocation. But um, yeah, it's not as it's not as creative as uh, where I was and what I was doing because even for those 33 years, I was working in marketing and sales yeah. wow. and design, so to speak. So, well, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey. Yeah. So, do you have a pet hate? A lot of people have pet hates. Either that, like for instance, they might hate, like you mentioned earlier, politicians, or they might hate how people <laughs> um, use when they're right, put apostrophes in the wrong place, something like that. <laughs> Q jumping. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, punctuation. Yeah. And uh, spelling and um, sentence structure. Yeah. That kind of bothers me because I am a writer. Uh, but um, probably standing in line or standing in a queue, as you would say, um, is is probably my biggest pet peeve. I I, I just get beside myself. <laughs> and Lose and with, with the, the will to live. <laughs> with with the pandemic, it's become quite <laughs> typical, right? Yeah. Yeah. When most British love, we love to queue. We like queuing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> that goes back decades, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. So, what's what's your what's your idea of heaven? I'm not necessarily talking about the, any religious experiences, but where, where where where's the best place that you you like to be? Where where is that? <clears throat> Happy place. Yeah. Hmm. I would have to say with my wife and. My kids um, on a on a on a mild summer day with a nice breeze, uh, sitting, chatting, having a drink. Sounds fantastic. Is that sort of a backyard type thing, or is there a particular um, place to go? Well, we would. Uh, it, there's no particular place to go. Um, immediate uh, memory <laughs> would be of our front and back porch, which is as much traveling as we've done in the past. Uh, year yeah. and a half or so <laughs> but uh no there's there's a number of different places i like to go for for drives uh in the countryside because we're we're far enough out that uh i am in a, i'm in a town that's um big enough to have some uh, larger stores and uh, yeah. enough, enough to uh distract us but within a minute i can get on a road and drive into agriculture uh land and uh forests etc dirt roads so it's it's um those are nice times too oh excellent i mean we when lockdown started for the first time for us we had a, a gym membership each and uh, obviously the gym had to close so we uh, stopped our membership uh, and uh, so we, we invested that monthly money into buying a, a hot tub so that that at the moment is the, the favorite place to go at night yeah, the hot tub is definitely a a great place. Uh, it is. We uh we have a hot tub in our backyard, and um, at night we've got a um a natural gas fire pit that's hooked up to our house, so okay. that we can we can just burn it for as long as we want to, and uh, it's nice little, uh, nice little area back. Yeah, yeah. Some of the things that we've done with my daughter is to get up really early, sort of four or five o'clock in the morning get in the hot tub and then just listen to the dawn chorus it's magical oh i can imagine i can imagine the birds wow <laughs> yeah where we are we have a lot of birds we're kind of like at a bird intersection they just cross oh. our property all the time so yeah, yeah. I, can, I, I can i can see that i don't know if i could get out of bed early enough and, and drag myself <laughs> to the hot tub but <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh dear um so you're obviously growing up and you've, you've grown up and you've started your career in, in, in Canada. And um, is there any, if you could go back in time to, to have a chat to your teenage self, is there any particular advice you'd, you'd give? Is there anything you'd change? Any regrets? Hmm. Um, I would say um, 
Well, it'd be hard to talk to my, my younger self and tell myself not to sweat the little stuff, but um, if I could get it across to me, I would uh, not to sweat the little stuff okay. and um, uh, get help if you're struggling with anything. Be open and kind to people and, you know, be true to yourself, no matter who tries to change you. Yes. I think sometimes it's either a cultural thing or, a, or an age thing, because when I was growing up, it wasn't you wasn't really encouraged to as a, as a man to to share your feelings. No. And to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're so right. You're so right. Um it's it's about it's about sharing your feelings, but it's also about getting guidance and um, and listening and uh, having a a sense of um, it's okay to uh, not not be that strong male person all the time. You can yeah. let your guard down with trusted people and and not worry about it. Yeah, I think I I totally understand about not sweating little stuff as well because growing up and being teenagers bad enough as it is so with puberty and all that lot but having to like, just deal with life as well oh yeah oh yeah i've i i've um i've got two teenage uh, children and um i've seen it again i i it's informed me in the raising of my kids for sure so are they they more open about sort of feelings and and talking about fears and insecurities that are um, they more better yeah. at it than, than you were yeah yeah i would say they are I think they're um, uh, they're more open to it. Um, we have we have a uh, when it comes to that that personal side, we have a we have a very good connection with our kids, uh, both my wife and I, and uh, we can have very good uh, conversations. And weird enough, strange enough as it is, they actually listen. <laughs> <laughs> I think schools are very much clued up these days because when I was at school, you know, particularly thinking back to careers advice, it was almost like they give you a list of things you couldn't do based on academic stuff rather than what you could do. Well, that yeah, that's that's a big one. Um, we found like I, I the the they call it guidance counseling here, and uh, I didn't really get anything out of that when I was in, in high school, uh, coming out to get a, um, a career. Um, they weren't very familiar, like they get trained, but they weren't familiar in, in how to really deal or talk to people. Yeah. And it hasn't changed. Really? Okay. I haven't seen it change. I, I, my son, because he's, um, He's a very open, outgoing person. Uh, he would be in the guidance office all the time. Yeah. Um, he would be talking to them saying, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So he, all of it's coming from him. But from a uh, uh, an opposite side where you're trying to sort out what you want to do yeah. uh, and figure out where you want to go with life, uh, it's not the same. Um, they don't have the... They don't approach it from the same methodology or or a methodology that actually draws you out and finds what you're good at and helps you move in that direction. Okay. So I agree. I agree with you there. Yeah, because my last uh, guest, Keith, he was when he was at school, he was t talking to me about when you get free school meals. Those people that got the free school meals had to queue in a corridor to get a token, and it was like a stigma attached to it. Oh yeah. So that when he finally grew up 
uh, he eventually became a governor at the school and he was really sad to find out that they still had that same system. Oh my. So he, he was able to change that to a sort of a, a, a more sort of user friendly way of doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like why, why go and put those uh, poor kids on display uh, just so that, you know, all of their contemporaries can say, Hey, well, that person, they, they need to have that uh, meal because either yeah. they're, they're poor or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a terrible stigma. It is. Speaking of Keith, my last guest, his question to to you. Obviously, he didn't know it was going to be you, but I, I always <laughs> ask the question to uh, to ask the next guest. And his question was: So, if money was no option, and uh, so you had the skills, what career or vocation would you choose? Would you would you go back to being uh, to the writing and directing that sort of thing? Yeah, it's kind of um kind of a mishmash. Um so uh novelist would be part of it. Um acting. Um probably more screen acting than stage acting. I I, I like the stage, but it's it's I really can't get over the stage fright thing. And <laughs> and the uh and uh as novelist, screenwriter, they kind of go together. Uh, but the other one is something that I've really become interested in over the years is um, field ar- archaeology in um, wow. Great Great Britain and uh, Western Europe. Yeah. So do you think there's a, think there's a book there to do with archaeology? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe one of my characters could be an archaeologist. I never thought of exactly. That. Yeah. You so go. you you mentioned that you've done some writing. Uh, have you actually had anything published? Are you self published or? No, I've got um, several thousand uh, work in progress, and uh, <laughs> I'm working on a on a couple of stories um, right now. All uh, mostly fiction. I got one nonfiction that I've been toying with, but uh, yeah, it's sort of a, more of a sideline for me. It's uh, it's something that. Uh, that I do as a distraction. So, well, actually, I do it more often than I than I should because it is a distraction from doing yeah. what I should be doing. Uh, but yeah, I've uh, I haven't been published yet. I, I was published um, when I was working. I had uh, articles that I had written and stuff like that, but uh, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing in the novel or screenwriting area. Yeah, I mean, I I self published a book uh, on Amazon, and that that was so easy because it doesn't cost you anything at all. Yeah. Uh, the case of uploading the, the, the manuscript and, uh, well, just going through like a checklist almost. And uh, then you fix a price and they, you, they take 30% of whatever you charge. So it's, yeah, it pays for itself as it were. It's not, a, it's, it really isn't a bad deal if you consider how uh, difficult it was to publish years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, when you used to have to go and get a, a publisher and uh, usually get an agent to get a publisher and <laughs> and then they have to accept your manuscript. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> at, least, at least with Amazon, you can just go ahead and publish it. And it doesn't, at the, at the, the beginning of the day, it doesn't matter whether it's rubbish or not, they'll print it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and you, and the only way you're going to know is how many you sell. And if that's, that's, it. That's, that's not even a, a guarantee there because the marketing is so important now. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's something I, I fall down on is, is marketing. But uh, yeah. No, we're, we'll try. We, we try. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you have a, a question 
from the next guest, whoever that may be. Okay, let me see. Um, hmm. Who's your favorite entertainer? Mm, nice. Actor, author, musician, influencer, and why? Excellent. Okay, brilliant. I shall uh, write that down. Good, good. I passed, I, passed that, I passed that test, Tim. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I've not had that one before. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, so we get a lot of um, what's your favorite place to go on holiday and that sort of stuff. Yeah, what's your favorite animal? Yeah. yeah. So is there anything that you want to, to sort of talk about particularly? Obviously, I'm firing a load of questions at you, but... Uh... Well, I we were I was um, we were talking about um, the um, the the business that I'm in the the trauma and stress uh, along with um, employer uh, workers uh, workers executives workers um, in the workplace specifically, and you know it's it's so important um, from somebody that worked uh, virtually in the same place for a long period of time. Uh, it's really important not to lose focus of, of who you are because your work tends to be, or you be, tend to become your work yeah. and then you lose sight of why you're, why you're working anyways, because you're basically trading time for money. Yeah. And if you trade too much of that time, you don't have any, uh, any left to enjoy why you're doing it in the first place. And that's to make money and have a good life. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's really important that people um, keep that in mind. And uh, I also think it's really important that people deal with anything that causes them stress or trauma and get over it and move forward because they tend to hold people back and trauma being relative to the individual I uh, never, never be afraid to reach out. Never be yeah. afraid to, uh, to um, trust someone uh, yes. with, with that. Yeah. There's a, there's a campaign that they've got. I think one of the ch channels here, television channels have got going is just to do with getting people to talk and to actually share things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, especially with the change, I don't think it's necessarily being, you know, shut in. Uh, or um, or 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 um, socially being detached, uh, as much as it's different, yep. we're not we're not used to different. Uh, I could imagine during the Second World War, uh, people recognized the difference, and there was a lot of stress and trauma going on, and afterwards, I'm sure there was a lot of post traumatic stress disorder among among the general population not just the people that fought yep but it wasn't dealt with so there was a lot of angst there was a lot of people that were just sort of trying to um ignore or blur over what they went through and yeah. so you had a lot of people um using alcohol and drugs as we saw in the 60s and uh it it just um you you look at these trends you look at these ebbs and flows in history and you can sort of see uh that you can see you, you can tell certain things from it and that's yeah. what i see from that's what i see in in trauma and stress is that um there are these uh ebbs and flows of of so of society that that change with different stressful uh events 
I mean, it's a massive subject, stress, because if you put two people under the same stressful situation, they will cope for it and cope about it in two different ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, it's like one person's uh, trauma is another person's stress, and it can be the smallest of things uh, and be relative to one's experience or background. It it really depends. Yeah, and that's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I find it fascinating for sure. And if you find it fascinating and manage to make a career out of it, that's even better, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't do anything particularly highbrow. I work for an energy company here uh, called Eon, uh, and um, I really love working for them. I really do. They, they treat you like an adult as an employee, which is so refreshing. It is. That's that's really good. That's, that's one of the things uh, that um, a lot of employers don't get. Yeah. Even down to small things, like I've worked for companies before that if you want to book a holiday, you uh, submit it on your sheet, send it off to them, and then you have to wait one or two weeks for them to get back to you. With with Eon, you just look at the spreadsheet of the holidays, and if there's no more than one or two people off, you just book it. So they're just quite happy with you to do that. So it's it's wow, a small that's... thing, but it's great. Yeah, it gives it, it gives you some sense of um, uh, empowerment. Yeah, absolutely. And the support network is very good. So, yeah. I'm finding that that's happening a lot, a lot more in companies. Um, I, if I could push smaller companies uh, to do that, I think some of the best things that family businesses or um, startups can do is uh, really look at how they treat their employees and how they uh, nurture them to move forward, because that's going to be your future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so lighthearted type questions now coming up for the, for the okay. last few. Um, apart from the writing, etc., have, have you got a hidden talent? Hidden talent? Yeah, like, are you brilliant at balloon animals or? <laughs> no, I'm pretty well, you see what you get. <laughs> I don't have any hidden talent that uh, okay. that I'm aware of. Um, <laughs> and And if I'm not aware of it, then it's not hidden, so... Fair enough. I mean, do you, do you sing in the shower, that kind of stuff? Do you, do you, you got a good voice? Do you think you could? Uh... No, no. According to my wife and kids, my voice is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep oh. my mouth shut most of the time. Fair news, fair news. Okay, uh, favorite prehistoric animal? Do you have one? You see, you see that that sounds like a question from my little cousin Alex. But, <laughs> <laughs> um prehistoric animal i the only thing i would have to say i'm not a big dinosaur type of person um so i'd have to go with um a raptor because it's the um mascot of the toronto raptor basketball team oh okay i think there was some debate about raptors you know in the light of um uh, jurassic park that they actually weren't as large as they portrayed them no actually i think in the wasn't it in the latter movies they made them smaller? Uh, quite possibly, or maybe they built the other dinosaurs bigger. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all relative, you know. It's all relative. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't remember watching those Jurassic Park movies and being absolutely in 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 awe of them because I loved dinosaur movies as a kid. But a lot mm -hmm. of them were like stop frame animation. Like Ray Harryhausen, I think, did quite a lot of those. 
and it was just superb. So but, you're talking like the Godzilla and uh, yeah. King Kong type of movies. That's it. Yeah, stop frame animation was just that was pretty impressive. But when they got all these digital animals as well as whether well, sort of good puppets and that kind of stuff, it was just Jurassic Park took it to a whole new level. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you, you, it's like you're right there in the Jurassic. Absolutely. Yeah, I always loved a good good dinosaur movie. I'll keep my eyes open for any that might have fallen off your radar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we are sadly not. We've reached the last question. Oh, and uh, so it could be a good one. This one actually. So if if you could have anyone over for a meal, living or dead, who would that be? Hmm. Well, because I'm on speakerphone, I'm going to say my wife first. Nice. <laughs> and uh, then I'm going to I. I it's interesting. Um, well, first of all, Churchill. Okay. That'd be one hell of a dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I like Humphrey Bogart. Okay, yeah. And uh, Natalie Wood. Those are my two screen uh, faves. Okay. Um, and lastly, maybe, oh, Barack Obama. Okay. Yeah, he'd be fascinating. That would be a good one. And and there's there's probably two others. Okay. Okay, because I'm I'm really into genealogy. So there's a hidden talent. Um so my great grandfather, who I don't okay. know. I don't know who my great grandfather is. So it'll be interesting to sit down and have dinner with him. Yeah. Uh, or uh, the person, there's one person that represents 1% of my DNA that's Iberian. Okay. Okay. From Spain. And I'm going, who could that be in the past 500 years? Who could that be? Because I've got relatives like in my tree, a lot of them going back 500 years. I've been able to get back there and I can't figure out for the life of me who the Iberian person was. Interesting. So that'd be fun. So is the is the population of Canada is it closely related to to that of America? Obviously, at, at some point, the, the British colonized America, and we all know about the independence wars and all that lot. Was Canada sort of born out of the same same era? Well, uh, Canada was, um, if you look, if you go back further, um, I think the, uh, I think the French had really settled um, Quebec earlier and uh, had also settled Acadia, which is now the maritime provinces of uh, Canada on the, on our East coast. Um, And, uh, and the British um, pretty well started trying to settle different areas of uh, the East coast of North America uh, during the same time period. So, and then you've got the Vikings that came before them. So like, okay. they came back, uh, 2000 years, no, a thousand years ago now, uh, to, uh, Newfoundland. Right. So yeah, there's, um, yeah, it's a, a, we're not the same population. Definitely not. We're about one tenth. It's a, it pretty well goes one tenth of the population, but we've got probably twice, two and a half times the land mass. Yeah. 
And did Canada's indigenous people, did they have the, the same problems that um, American Red Indians, etc., and Maoris and uh, from New Zealand and Aboriginals from Australia? Yeah, they do. It's uh, it, it's it's quite a problem um, that um, we can't our governments can't seem to uh, fix, even though um, um, probably half the population looks to the uh, indigenous peoples as uh, somebody says to something that we want to rectify. We want to move on from. Yeah. And uh, it's come up in a number of different um, public uh, public air arenas, but it doesn't seem to be getting any better. We've got a terrible water problem, uh, fresh water problem on uh, reservations here in Canada. Um, you know, half of the population would definitely turn around and give the money and build the uh, the uh, treatment plants. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, the politics aren't working out. Um, there's a big disparity between people living on the reservation, people living off the reservation, uh, uh, and um, their ability to get work um, and support them uh, themselves. And there's still um, there's still a fair amount of uh, I will say there's a big um, animosity among. Uh, certain groups in Canada, in certain areas of Canada, against the uh, or Indigenous people. Yeah, and um, I don't think I think that's one of the major problems. I can almost guarantee it's one of the major problems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Britain's history is um, is not good when it comes to Indigenous people and and that kind of stuff. Even the arrogance that they showed when. Uh, the sort of Victorian era when they were supposedly conquering the world, you know, to, they couldn't understand what someone was saying. They just change it like uh, Mumbai. They couldn't understand it, so they called it Bombay, and it's it's awful. It is. It, it it's um, it one thing that I do find here is that we've adopted some things that um, in other parts of the world they did not. Um, right. Like Toronto is actually a, a native um, uh, word. Um, Ottawa is a native word. Okay, we're now making inroads uh, in a lot of areas. Uh, um, they do, you, you know, you have uh, Big Brother Britain, right? Yeah. Well, we have Big Brother Canada, and at the beginning of Big Brother Canada, they, uh, where they film it, the house is located on Indigenous lands of the Mississauga Indian. So uh, they. Uh, they basically started the show with thanking them for allowing them, allowing us to film the uh, show on the land. Oh, wow. So it's, 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 it's about education. Sometimes it's, uh, it goes too far. Uh, sometimes it's overboard and uh, people just get sick of it and turn off because it's too much. But yeah. uh, the little things here and there are good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, Unless there's anything else that you particularly want to say, I've um, come to the end. We've, uh, oh, wow, it's been f just over 40 minutes and it just feels like it's flown by. Yeah, we've uh, we've had a great talk. I've really enjoyed this, uh, the show, the the uh, doing the show part, but uh, just talking to you, Tim, it's uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's been good. I must say, at this stage, talking to Alex when I interviewed him a few months back was superb. He was, he is absolutely, he's his star, he is.
Oh, he's he's uh, he's going places, that boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, thank you very much, Scott. And uh, we managed to have a have a good chat despite all the, uh, the problems we had at the beginning. Yes. Absolutely. Now, in terms of when this will air, hopefully it's going to be uh, well next Saturday, I think. Okay. So it'll be on my time about ten o'clock. So by the time you get up, it'll be it'll be ready to listen to. Uh, ten a.m. next Saturday. Okay. Yep. Perfect. I'll make sure that I try and spread the word. Nice. I appreciate that, Scott. Thank you very much. Been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much too. And if you know of anybody who wants to uh, wants to appear, let me know. Oh, I will definitely do that. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much. Okay, Tim. Take care. Take care. Bye now. Bye now. Bye. My thanks to Scott for agreeing to be interviewed. I hope, like me, you love listening to ordinary people. Because it's people like Scott and my previous guests that make this world in which we live in so rich and fascinating. If you did like this episode and previous episodes, then why not volunteer to take part? You can drop me a line at the email, which is contactordinarypodcast at gmail.com. Contact me also if you have any questions that you'd like to ask future guests. It's always good to listen to your questions and your feedback. As always, this has been a pleasure. And... As always, I have been your host, Tim Young. We'll see you next time in episode 10. I can't wait. Mm-hmm.